Welcome to the latest episode of the Creative Operations Podcast. I'm your host, Nish Patel, and I'm so glad you could take a few minutes to join me today where I talk about all things creative operations, really about the four pillars of creative operations, people, process, technology, and if you saw my recent webinar on the state of creative operations, you know that I've added a fourth pillar, which is metrics. If you didn't get a chance to check that out, there'll be a link in the show notes. Make sure you click on over to check that out. Lots of good information in there about a comprehensive survey that was done on the recent um, state of creative operations. Um, we interviewed about and surveyed about 300 plus people from the creative operations community. Lots of good information. The full report is coming out on May 11th, so check out that link in the show notes. And for our regular listeners, you know that sometimes I'm joined by people working in the creative operations trenches, and sometimes it's just me riffing on something related to creative operation, you know, whatever sort of circling around in my big, bald, bowling ha- uh, ball of a head. Um, you know, it may have been something that I picked up while I was visiting uh, you know, a creative operations team, or just something that's just sort of struck me out of the blue. Today, I'm really going to be focusing on something that, um, you know, really struck me based on a recent visit that I did with the creative operations team at Sam's Club uh, out in the San Francisco area. Uh, Sam's Club, for those of you that don't know, I'm sure most of you do, it's a division of Walmart. um, And as we all know, Walmart is the world's largest retailer. Uh, You talk about the deep end of the creative operations ocean in terms of volume, velocity, variety, and you know, just, um, you know, everything related to creative operations, well, that's it. Um, the team there's uh, Sam's Club is led by Amy Strickland. Uh, she first cut her creative operations teeth at Dolby. Uh, she joined Sam's Club then a couple of years ago. So with almost four years of experience, creative operations experience under her belt, she's one of the sage veterans of this emerging profession and definitely someone I sort of reach out to and like to bounce ideas off of. Um, So I got a chance to go out and visit with Amy and her team. Uh, They're the ones that are really sort of responsible for keeping a steady um, flow of content, feeding the e-commerce team at Sam's Club. So they're focused on things like the website, email marketing campaigns, and anything else that is going to drive online sales. I know a lot of you out there can relate to that. And whether you work on the e-commerce side or not, I think uh, some of the lessons that I took away from what I saw at Sam's Club are definitely going to apply to you. Um, And Really, their pace is furious, and uh, I know a lot of you can relate to that as well. So I got to spend about half a day with them and had a great time talking about all sorts of things, uh, like technology. They use Confluence, by the way, as one of their primary organizing tools. Uh, Process, they had tons of workflow charts that they were able to throw up on the monitor uh, and project onto the wall. And that really reinforced for me that they really think of process as job number one there in the creative operations team at Sam's Club, which is so great to see because, again, if you saw my recent webinar on the state of creative operations, way too many of you folks out there in the creative operations world haven't made process job number one, which uh, it really should be. Um, They shared a lot about metrics and tracking. There's tons of spreadsheets uh, with C's of uh, in rows of columns and um, and all the raw numbers that they're doing pivot tables on and running calculations on and sort of crunching the numbers to see where their process bottlenecks are. Again, really reinforcing that process is job number one for them. And I met a really great group of diverse people, you know, project managers, producers, creatives, and so much more. Uh, so I got there about 9 a.m. in the morning uh, before um, you know, I went into 
meet with Amy and her team. I ended up by mistake shoplifting from their in-house store, but uh, that's another story that I'm more than happy to tell you in private. Uh, and uh, we got started about 9.15. And then about 9.30, uh, Amy all of a sudden said, okay, we got to take a break for daily stand-up. And I was just like, oh, geez. Uh, did I just walk into one of those companies where every day at 9.30 there's some sort of corporate mandated daily exercise called daily stand-up? Um, are we going to be meditating, doing some standing yoga? You know, I was sitting there thinking, I'm not really good at meditating. Uh, I'm not really good at yoga because I'm not bendy in the least. Um, so I was probably going to be embarrassed. Um, and then I thought for a second, daily stand-up. That sounds familiar. I hear my software development team back at ConceptShare always talking about their daily stand-up. Uh, and if you've been around the technology scene, you know that it's a fairly common practice uh, where they get together every day, usually in the morning. Um, and it's just sort of uh, quickly going around the team and making sure that everyone's on the same page and in sync and working on the right things to keep everything sort of generally moving forward on multiple fronts. Um, and then I thought, no, nah, it's not that kind of daily stand-up. This isn't a technical team. They're not developers. This is a creative operations team. But yeah, that's exactly what it was. They did a daily stand-up just like uh, the software development team back at ConceptShare. Um, and that really got me thinking, um, you know, as to, you know, what else have I seen creative operations teams do that sort of feels like a development team practice? And what do I see, you know, the development team at ConceptShare do in terms of their practices and how they work together that could apply to the creative operations world? Um, and I asked myself a question after I left Sam's Club that day, and it's sort of been circling around, is could the software development world sort of help inform best practices for the creative operations world? And the more I thought about it, the more I was thinking that, yeah, that's that's something to really dig into because there's probably a lot in the world of software development that could apply to the creative operations world and their mandate to really continuously, you know, design, measure, and optimize the creative production process. So that gets us to today's topic, which is, you know, two things your VP of engineering can teach you about creative operations. Well, maybe not so much teach you about creative operations, but, you know, more specifically looking at how they operate their teams and translating that into the creative operations function and how that function, again, is responsible for designing and optimizing that creative production process, getting more stuff out the door on time at a quicker pace while still managing your costs or driving them down and also having a marketing impact. Um, so a bit of context, um, software development teams, uh, they sort of live in a world of the job never really ends. You know, most products are never done. I certainly know ours is never technically done. You're always thinking about what do we do next? Um, the pace is pretty furious. Uh, I'm sure the developers on the ConceptShare team would agree with that. Requirements can often change midstream. Uh, you know, as you start developing one thing, maybe you sort of come up against a technical issue or maybe somebody um, like a customer or partner, or in our case of ConceptShare, it's me who sort of comes with another requirement midstream. Uh, Sort of sounds like, you know, a marketing person coming back with another requirement midstream while you're already working on that landing page or direct mail piece. Um, 
new requirements or jobs come up unexpectedly, so the schedule has to sort of be adapted on the fly. You can't really think about, you know, here's my schedule for the next year, quarter, month, week, uh, and sometimes not even for the next day. Like stuff is constantly in a state of flux and changing, and you got to be adaptable and flexible, and certainly development teams in most companies today can relate to that. Uh, they're always being asked to increase velocity, i.e. their output. Uh, I know uh, the number one question I'm always asking our VP of engineering, uh, who's amazing, is, um, you know, how do we get more stuff out the door? How do we get more stuff that is impactful and valuable to customers out the door? Um, teams can also be made up of internal and external resources that need to be able to figure out pretty quickly how they fit into the way things work uh, in the company on this project with these people. Um, and the technology being used to support this process can be constantly changing. So does any of this sound familiar to those of you in the creative operations world? It probably should. You know, it's a, again, a state of perpetual change where you have to adapt, be flexible, you know, requirements are changing on the fly. You now that's, I could probably sort of line up uh, 50 software development people like let's say 50 VPs of engineering and 50 VPs of creative operations and organize them in a big room like a Catholic high school dance, you know, each on one side of the room. And I could sort of read off a day in the life picture of the software development world. And I think people on both sides of the room would be nodding their heads going, yeah, that's the world that I live in. So I think there's a lot of similarities and a lot of lessons to be learned and translated from the software development world and their practices as to how they manage their development process and translating that into the creative operations and more broadly the creative production process world. I'm just going to touch on two today. This is a topic that's really rich in um, you know, areas to explore, but I'm just going to quickly touch on to the intent here is to just sort of get you, you know, thinking about this. Uh, so number one is what I mentioned, uh, you know, about Amy and her team and this idea of the daily standup. Um, and I think that, and what got me sort of thinking about this and as I said, it's exactly what it sort of sounds like. Uh, it's treated like a daily ritual. It's usually done in the morning, but that's not a hard rule. Uh, you know, for you, maybe you've got people that are sort of coming in late and it makes sense to, you know, not do it first thing in the morning and instead maybe do it, you know, later in the morning or maybe do it as a wrap up to the end of the day uh, and sort of get everyone primed for the next day. That's fine. It's not a hard rule, but the most, I would say the majority sort of do it at the start of the day. Uh, and really all it is, it's you're sort of doing a quick go around the room where everyone has a chance to chime in. And so who's in the room? It's the people that together are sort of responsible for delivering and executing against the, um, you know, the content, the assets uh, that need to be produced and delivered to inject into marketing campaigns that have already been planned and scheduled. So those are the people you want in the room. Um, I know when I was visiting with uh, the Sam's Club team, it was the creative operations team, Amy, who's the lead, their producers, project managers, creatives, um, you know, folks that may have had more of a development hat on because they do a lot of stuff again on the e-commerce slash digital side. So it's whoever you have in the room is who has a impact, who has a part to play in that production process and making sure that stuff gets out uh, the door on time uh, that's been committed to you for your campaigns. And 
So you've got everyone in the room. They're usually standing up. That's the best way to do it. Uh, I think everyone's heard the old sort of uh, meeting rule of if you wanted to go quickly and efficiently, get everyone to stand up and sitting down comfortably in chairs. So everyone's standing up, and all you're doing is you're going around the room, and people are saying, you know, something as simple as green light, red light. So they're saying green light if everything they're responsible for that they're involved with is sort of tracking. They don't have any issues themselves. They don't see any issues with, um, you know, things that they're waiting on from other people. They just simply say green light and they move on. They're not giving a recitation of all the things they're doing that day and all the meetings are going to. And they're not basically sitting there going, here's how busy I am. Look at me, look at me. That's not the purpose of this. Or they could say red light, uh, which then is, you know, people sort of snap to attention. It's an immediate, like, you know, flag on the field going, okay, what's the red light? And they have to quickly explain what the red light is. Is it something where... You know, the barriers with them that they're hitting and they're not going to be able to perhaps deliver on something that they've committed to. Are they waiting on something from somebody that they'd already expected? Um, or maybe based on one of the uh, previous green light, red light updates, um, they want to highlight something that is now a red light for them. The purpose isn't to sort of get into the guts of it there if it's sort of a complex issue. It's to highlight it if you can address it in, you know, 15 or 30 seconds, um, you know, if it's something as simple as, um, I don't know, you know, I'm just waiting on, um, you know, this piece of work from somebody to be able to move my work forward and I don't have visibility into it. It could be something as simple as that person saying, oh, sorry, I didn't update the project management system, but it is done all up to the PM system. Boom, done, 15 seconds, that red light turns into a green light. If it's something more complex where maybe they're coming up against in, uh, issue of new requirements and things like that that don't really fit into the scope of work or time or whatever it may be, then it's identified, there's a flag on the field, take it offline with themselves and the people that need to be involved in resolving that. So what this does is it really gets everyone on the same page. Uh, it makes sure that things are moving forward or if you've got some red lights, you know, identifying what's blocking things from moving forward and having those conversations right after the stand-up uh, to address those. It's meant to be quick, um, you know, depending on the size of your team, it's anywhere from like, you know, two minutes to maybe 10 minutes at the most. Again, no hard rules, but try and keep it quick, efficient, spirited, red light, green light, identify the flags on the field, figure out if you could resolve them there in 15 to 30 seconds or move on. Um, and it's not a status update. So the value to creative operations is that this is really creating better communications between teams, like all the different people and roles involved in executing on what needs to be done. And sure, you've got a project management system. I know some of you don't, but let's assume you've got one and it's constantly updated and that's great, but there's still something to be said of everyone being in the same room, either physically or sometimes, you know, based on how your where your team is located and if it's distributed, it, people may be coming in through video conferencing and things like that. But to get everyone speaking at least once a day to make sure that you know who's green light and if there's any red lights and not just simply leaving it to the project management system to move things along in a nice, consistent, clean matter. We all know, because we've all experienced this, there's something to be said of getting in a room, having that communication, making sure everyone's on the same page. It's like a huddle on the football field, right? Like 
Sure, the quarterback knows all the plays, all the players know the plays, so he's rhyming off, you know, 62, 85, 92, whatever that means uh, to the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. But everyone knows what it is. But getting in the huddle and making sure everyone's on the same page, even for 15 seconds, that helps them. And that's why that's a practice and a ritual in football. That's why these daily stand-ups are a ritual for software development teams, even though that everything is on their project management system or job boards. And that's why... It's been a valuable ritual for Amy and her team and something that I would encourage other creative operations teams to consider adopting. I think one of the bonus benefits from it is that, you know, um, with so much stuff going on, it sort of eliminates the possibility of people being able to hide. Um, not saying anyone wants to hide from the responsibility or things like that, but we're all procrastinators. I am definitely a huge procrastinator. And having that daily stand-up and forcing people to go green light, red light on a daily basis, it sort of makes sure that procrastination over time gets eliminated from individual and collective team DNAs. Um, Because you're sort of forced to stand there in front of your peers, your colleagues, the people that are counting on you, uh, and who you're counting on and everyone is giving a red light green light so it's hard to hide from you know oh I've got too much on my plate I probably should say something now instead of waiting until you're sort of getting to you know the delivery date and then uh, people realizing oh we got a problem um, or barriers or issues or red flags that need to be are addressed on a daily basis as opposed to those things waiting till further so the daily stand-up it's a great software development practice, works really well for a Amy and her team. Uh, it was amazing to be in the room, and I really appreciate and I'm grateful they allowed me to sit in on it. Uh, and something I'd encourage those of you out there in the creative operations community to start to think about, you know, how might you uh, adopt that as part of your uh, daily creative operations practice. So on to number two, uh, retrospectives. Um, and, you know, this is you know, exactly what it says, uh, just like the daily stand-up. The retrospective is sort of, you know, getting together on a regular interval, and and that interval might be in the software development world. They talk about sprints. Uh, you know, some uh, development teams organize their work in two-week sprints. Uh, for us at ConceptShare, we do it around, you know, specific features that we're shipping. Uh, you know, it, it could be calendar-based, like, you know, um, maybe all your work is sort of organized on a monthly or bi-weekly or weekly basis, um, or maybe it's, you know, based around a campaign. Whatever sort of interval makes sense of how your work is organized and executed, what you do is you get the people in a room that were involved in uh, shipping that work. So, um, you know, it's probably all the people that are involved in your daily stand-up, and you do a retrospective. And the purpose of the retrospective is to really just have an open, candid discussion about what what went well and what could have gone better. Um, I know with uh, the development team at ConceptShare, um, you know, when they started doing this, those meetings were, they could get pretty long, they could get pretty... Um, I don't know if heated is the right word, but certainly uh, lots of strong opinions in the room. And that was sort of a reflection of the fact that, you know, at that time, the process wasn't necessarily um, very strong. But as they started doing these retrospectives, getting in the room, you know, sharing individually what went right, what went wrong around, you know, communication, technology being used, process, anything really, even in terms of like, 
you know, personal styles and things like that, that was getting in the way of them operating and executing as well as possible. As they started to do that on a regular basis, you could see the process improving at the same time. Um, the ritual says we're not perfect and we're never going to be perfect, but we're constantly striving to improve. And to do that, we have these retrospectives to talk about what worked what went well, what didn't go well, and then figure out what small incremental changes do we want to apply, you know, for the next sprint, for the next campaign, uh, for the next week, two weeks, month, again, however you think your work is sort of naturally organized and executed on. And I think a huge benefit for this is that it sort of makes process job number one. This is really my big creative operations pet peeve today based on the survey results, uh, that are highlighted in that state of creative operations. Process is not job number one for most creative operations teams. And I think if it's not job number one, then your ability to really execute on the mandate of creative operations, which is to you know push out more content, do it on time, uh, accelerate your turnaround times, uh, control your costs, and really build out that creative production supply chain, um, that is severely impacted. In fact, I don't know how you do it if process isn't job number one. And by having these retrospectives and looking back at, you know, how did things go over the stuff that we're doing for this last print or campaign or, you know, again, whatever sort of, um, you know, context of time makes sense uh, for your team, it forces you to put process at the, at the core because it's forcing you to talk about what went well, what didn't go well and what are the changes that we want to make um, it again just like the daily stand-up creates better communication between teams um, and the individuals that are all critical to the job of executing on what needs to come out of your content supply chain uh, it keeps everybody talking continuously not just about what's going on today but looking back so that you can improve moving forward um, Again, I'll keep saying this until I'm blue in the face. Um, you know, it says that the job of process is job number one and that it's really a team sport. It's not just the creative operations executive that has to figure everything out. It's really everybody who's involved in the process getting in a room and on a c continuous basis, you know, sharing what went well, what didn't go well, and then determining together what are the small incremental changes we can make to our process moving forward to see if things go well. And then we'll do the same thing again at our next retrospective. Um, and so it almost becomes like this perpetual ongoing audit of your process. Um, you know, there's lots of other things you should be doing around process like measurement and things like that, but that's besides the point. Um, so the retrospective, again, is another key, very common software development best practice that I've seen in our company have a huge impact. And I think the same thing would be very impactful for you to consider as part of your creative operations team. Um, so, and again, I'm really just glossing over the idea of retrospectives and daily standups. Uh, lots of great articles out there, uh, you know, just Google software development practices, daily standups, software development practices, uh, retrospectives, and you'll find tons of information about it. There's no hard rules around how it's done. There's probably, you know, the basic principles are open, honest communication, uh, do it on a consistent basis, really make it part of your DNA and how things work um, with your team and your organization. Um, and so, you know, go out there, Google stuff, uh, 
you know, and start implementing it as soon as possible. I think, you know, I'll definitely tell you, it's going to feel awkward at first because it's different. Um, and I don't recommend you come back and say, hey, guys, we're going to start implementing these software development best practices. There's no reason to do that because, you know, people may go square peg round hole. Just simply present it as um, we're going to have a daily stand up to make sure everyone's going to get on the same page. We're going to have retrospectives where people will be able to, uh, without any judgment or anything like that, be able to share what they thought went right and what went wrong. Uh, again, Google stuff, there's lots of like really good suggestions and tips and uh, examples of how other people implement these practices. I know for us, like our retrospectives, a different person from the team leads each retrospective, which is really good because it says this is not about hierarchy. It's not about, you know, one person having all the answers. Process, again, uh, is really a team sport. So the retrospective is also a team sport with shared responsibility. And there's lots of other things that you're going to find that dev teams do that uh, I think will inspire you to think about how they can apply to the creative operations world and managing the creative production process. I mentioned sprints, you know, so um, I think sprints and the way you think about organizing and executing on work gives you a greater freedom and flexibility to adapt, which again is really important in today's world where, you know, marketers who are reacting to, um, you know, more and more real-time information are definitely coming to you and they're going to, you know, increasingly come to you with changing requirements um, and priorities. So, you know, uh, Google sprints and see how you might organize work around sprints. Um, Google software development uh, practices and points. Uh, you know, this is a way of, you know, managing and predicting capacity, uh, capacity and scheduling, things like that. Capacity always comes up and I see too many teams trying to, you know, boil it down into like the granularity of uh, hours, minutes, seconds. And I, I think that, in, again, in today's world where things are constantly changing, where, uh, you know, the work being done is really being done by teams versus individuals. I think, you know, look at the idea of how points are used in the software development world to think about planning work, uh, to think about managing and predicting capacity and scheduling and how that might apply to your world. I think you'll get a lot of benefit out of it. Uh, and there's so many more things that happen in the development world that, uh, you know, you could check out. So, um, you know, my suggestion is, um, you know, take your VP of engineering or any VP of engineering that you know uh, and tell him or her about your world and see if it's sort of, uh, you know, ask them, you know, based on a description of what your world looks like, if it sort of sounds like theirs and, you know, recommendations uh, that they may have for you on how you could use some of their practices and apply to your world. Or better yet, ask them if you can come and hang out uh, with them for a day or two and, you know, see how they run their daily stand-ups, see how they run their retrospectives. Ask them to show you their um, their boards. Uh, a lot of them have, you know, Kanban-like boards as sort of their, you know, quote-unquote project management system that sort of applies to uh, this idea of sprints, um, and it's all based on this point system. So, you know, check that out, see how it works. And if you don't know VP of engineering or you don't have one or, you know, you can't get one that's sort of open to uh, helping you out by teaching you uh, what they're doing in the world and how it might apply to yours, reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to uh, share more with you. Uh, I get to see both worlds on a day-to-day -day basis, the software development world and the creative ops world. So, more than happy to share that uh, with you in terms of, you know, time-tested uh, practices and processes uh, that you may be able to apply.
So let's leave it there. Uh, I, uh, I think I need a drink of water. I've been talking a lot. Hopefully you found this valuable. I know I was inspired by Amy and her team. Uh, they're a fantastic group. She's a great creative ops leader. And that's what sort of inspired uh, today's topic. Uh, and I hope it inspires you to at least go in and sort of, you know, learn more about daily stand-ups, retrospectives, and all sorts of other things happening in the software development world and how they might apply to your world. So with that, thank you very much for listening in today. Um, and if you do have any comments or suggestions for topics or questions to cover on a future episode, or you just want to schedule, uh, you know, a visit like I did with Amy and her team to talk about your specific creative ops challenges, certainly feel free to reach out. Uh, you could uh, hit me up on Twitter at Nish Patel. Uh, you could send me an email, nish.patel at conceptshare.com. You can send an email to the Creative Ops Hub, so that's ideas at creativeopshub.com. And again, thanks so much for, uh, you know, continuing to tune in. I've been getting lots of great, uh, you know, reach outs from people I've never even had a chance to meet that are out there in the creative operations community, which means the community is growing. Um, and you guys are listening, which is amazing. So uh, please join me on the next episode where we talk more about uh, you know news, best practices, and interviews with leaders from the creative operations community. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.